This is the GPL Podcast, part of the Pull Tab Sports family. You're younger than my dad. Oh. My dad's 50, my dad's 56. You're younger than my dad. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Wow. We just got finished. (laughs) That sounds kind of weird. Kind of sounds weird. Sound like 99 (laughs) Lions. And, And Eric, on the flip side, I bet you, you just love those defensive games. <laughs> I, yeah, if, if I'm playing, well, I was I was the same as you, Drew. If I fell asleep on Saturday. <laughs> now, here's Jupiter and Vigo. Good evening and welcome to the GPL podcast, episode number 248. Well, hello, Viggs. Hopefully you had a great weekend this past weekend. Yeah, it was great. I love it when Minnesota plays Minnesota Duluth. You know, the Gophers have not had the best record against the Bulldogs the last decade, but the hockey is always pretty good. And I thought the Gophers played a great game on on Friday, Saturday. I thought they were the better team. And, uh, you know, it kind of erased some of the woes from watching the Gophers-Illinois football game because that was a disappointment. Oh, boy, I, we, I was at Old Chicago in Canal Park watching that ending, and we just you could just see it coming. There was, there, I think I even tweeted a, a big, oh. It was a bar. gut puncher. It was a total gut puncher. It was one of those games where the football program, I think, finally has a lot of athletes who are at a high level. And they just made some mental mistakes and it, it cost them. But the Gophers oh. this weekend, I think, uh, had a lot of growth on the on the hockey rink. I I would agree. I, I, I want to discuss kind of a lot of things, you know, with this whole weekend. But, uh, you know, see the home and home. Cool things happening with that, with the contract coming up. But Friday, they came out and looked pretty darn good. And... Players were actually benched for taking penalties. It was quite the interesting evening. Well, Bob typically has one of the least penalized teams in college hockey. And it's not because his teams aren't physical and aggressive. I think it's because the coach puts such an emphasis. If you take bad penalties, and what a bad penalty is in, in Moscow's mind is something in the offensive zone when you're you know 180 feet away from your own goal, or something where you're just sticking your stick in the wrong spot and getting called for penalties, he does not have a lot of patience for that. And he had said, you know, the weekend before, you know, I'm either going to bring out the two by four or the tickle feather. And he brought out the two by four. And now that these penalties are starting to add up, he brought it out again and started stapling people to the bench. And he, and he called out a few different people, uh, uh, one of them who also got two goals that night. <laughs> Bryce Brodzinski reacted yeah. very well to the benching and responding for the coach. Although one of them is an empty netter where he he must have had the speed jets saved <laughs> up for that one. Yeah, I, I, I did you even ask? I think you asked how, somebody asked Moscow about that. How he's all of a sudden he's just got he's really fast when it comes to empty net goals. Yep, the coaching staff sure knows that. And Mike Kester made the comment. He's like, well, he just wants to ice the game for us. 
Yeah, he just really wants to ice the game. <laughs> it's good for Bryce. So it's his 50th career goal with the Gophers. You know, he is probably one guy who attracts a lot of negative commentary from the fan base when you're watching a hockey game, but he knows how to put the puck in the net. You know, he's up and down during the season, almost every season. He's, he's, he has spurts where all of a sudden he's scoring. He's going, he's got, you know, five goals in six games or something on that. And then he's quiet for another six games. Um, So I think some of the criticism might be fair. I think, honestly, we just want to see consistency out of his game. Yeah, and I think he's a player who recognizes that a little bit, and he wants to make himself a more complete player. He definitely put in the work this offseason to get a little fitter and have a little more jump. And when I've noticed plays during the games where I see him have that extra step that he probably hasn't had since he's been at Minnesota, Mm -hmm. I'll call it out on Twitter because it's Mm -hmm. it's there, and it, it shows up in the games. And Rhett Pitlick is another player who's starting to show that little bit of extra heaviness and jump on the ice that's creating opportunities for him as well. So you've got two players who've been with the program for a while, and there's there's signs that they are becoming more complete players this year. Pitlick causes havoc out there. I've been saying it the entire season. You've been telling me, look at him, look how look how aggressive he is on the forecheck, the trouble he's causing. Doesn't always get the puck, but he slows him down, and sometimes he does get the puck. But I think the important thing on Friday night is that he got off the schneid and got on the scoreboard. Well, he was one of those players that got benched. And I was trying to figure out what was happening with the Lions because Bob had said throughout the week he's he's warning everybody, hey, I'm going to be juggling the Lions all year. You're probably going to see more combinations than usual on Friday. And I had made the comment after the game. I was like, well, you certainly kept your word. You were juggling the lines. And he and he revealed that he was benching guys because of penalties. And Pitlick was one of those guys, too, who got bent for penalties. You know, he came in in the neutral zone with some back pressure. He put his stick in the player's hands. Tight call, but it's it's a call. And then he's out there with, I think, Jimmy Clark and Charlie Strobel. And I was like, wow, those three look pretty good together. And it resulted in Pitlick getting a goal. Mm-hmm. So and a nice, and a nice setup by Strobel too. Yes, that was a great all-around play. Yeah, definitely a great play, and it's good to see Pitlick put one in the net because I think that's good for his confidence because he's a player that I think needs confidence to be effective, mm-hmm. just so he takes that extra beat to really finish a play and not just be quick and get pucks off. Because I think there's a little bit more of a scores touch to his game because he's got so much skill. What did you think of close? Almost got the shutout Friday night. I think Mike Kester probably came to his locker after the game and said, sorry about that. <laughs> Minnesota had, I feel like only gave one or two odd man rushes the entire game. And it was they late. They went the a game. long time without allowing a shot. Yeah. And it was late in the game and Kester kind of dove into the slot to try to make a play and just couldn't finish it. And UMD came back four on two the other way. Minnesota probably didn't play the rush exactly well. Sometimes you just want to give closer a clean look at the the rush shooter like they can sometimes do, but they didn't. And UMD took advantage and ruined the shutout, which was kind of disappointing, I think, for closer. But he's the kind of guy that doesn't care about shutouts. And I think that's the reason why he has so many of them. 
But overall, uh, a great night for Minnesota. You could just tell Scott Sandlin after the game was frustrated with his team, with their effort I, and discipline. I noticed that. Um, I shot, I believe, the second period between the benches, and I noticed that he was frustrated with his team and what they were doing. But part of that was getting Mr. Kester back, uh, Viggs. Um, my, you know, I just noticed a comment. Um, our, our guy Mote looked rusty. Well, I hope so. He hadn't played all season, but he still played pretty darn good. Well, I think his return to the lineup was a calming one, especially on the power play. You just look, he knows how to settle the puck and not put it right into pressure. He knows how to take that pressure off everybody else and give a little bit of time and space to think and make some skill plays. It seems sometimes the gopher power play has been rushing quite a bit and just kind of get in the motions and static and not moving around and not being dynamic and not creating chaos. Kester is the anti-chaos guy. He, he calms things down, has the vision to make plays, and I think that helps for Minnesota, especially on the breakout as well. You know, he's a player that can make calm plays. But I think the the rust when he has to press in traffic with body contact is going to be something that's going to come along maybe a little more slowly than he'd like. Very Faber-like, because I've been seeing Faber doing a lot of that calmness type of play for the Wild. Well, he's just always is on the right side of the puck. Mm-hmm. You know, he knows how to position his body so he doesn't get beat. I was talking to somebody, uh, Mike Grimm, today after media availability. Okay. How the Gophers right now sometimes are taking the cheese, to use the football analogy. You know, you're getting caught going to the outside like Tyler Newbin was at the end of the Illinois game. You know, you do something because you're trying to make a play and you want to flash your skill. When really the smart thing is just to let all that stuff go and make the easy play and slow the game down and don't give away chances to the other team. You know, Kester is that kind of player. He's experienced enough and savvy enough to play the percentage plays and then just calmly transition the other way. You know, Brock Faber was so good about that. You know, he's obviously a heavier player who can be more physical. But as long as your body position is in the right spot, you can shut down plays and transition quick. But a great first weekend back, definitely, for Mr. Kester. I think so, too. And it helped everybody's ice time. Mm -hmm. You know, Chesley wasn't out there playing 27, 30 minutes. Middlestat wasn't out there trying to do too much. I think Renzel is learning not to touch the stove. You know, it did happen a couple times (laughs) during the weekend where he tries to go coast to coast and he ends up below the goal line. That's probably not where you want your players to go. No. You want them to do it more like Cal Thomas on his goal, where he sees four opponents in front of him and a chance for a loose puck, and he goes, mm-hmm. okay, now I can go. You know, That's an opportunity where offense is presented to you, and you take it, and you get your goal. When you start chasing plays like Kester did at the end of the game on Friday or Renzel has been doing this season, you know, you're giving the other team some offense that they haven't really earned. So 5-1 win Friday night, well-deserved. Saturday night uh, up in Duluth, definitely much more hostile atmosphere. Um, Duluth gets a lead, you know, goes back and forth. You know, they go up 2-1. Minnesota ties it at 2. They got two quick ones to go up um, 3-2 at the end of the the second. And then uh, I think one of the penalty bite. uh, uh, You know, I can't remember. (laughs) At the end of the second period, 
that ended up with a power play goal to tie the game for for Duluth. But gosh, Minnesota had 50 shots on goal. Their goalie did definitely have an excellent game against Minnesota. Yeah, it was pretty crazy because the UMD goalie uh, had cramps on Friday night, and that was the reason why he left the game. It wasn't like uh-huh. a groin or a knee injury. It was cramps. And so they went with the other guy, uh, Thiessen, on Saturday, and he played very, very well. I thought the Gophers outchanced UMD throughout the night. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they were as in control of the game, clearly, but they were getting the better of the chances. And the only reason that game went to overtime was because UMD's goalie played really, really well. He was aggressive. He was reading plays. He was making big pushes. And so I think that was the difference on Saturday. And didn't start well in the overtime, taking a penalty right at the end of regulation. That wasn't good. And then Minnesota gets a power play. It was hectic. Ends up at a tie. Both teams had good chances. Minnesota had some great chances. Then for some reason, I must have been only for the crowd, Viggs. They did a shootout. I, I sent a text right away to the SID Minnesota, Scott Slarks. I go, why are they doing this? He's like, literally his response, no clue. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think everybody is doing this in the non-conference games. It has no meaning no in pairwise, records, anything. It's mm-hmm. just something for the crowd. You know, UMD obviously won it, so they are happy. Minnesota lost it, so maybe they're less happy. But really, it didn't mean anything in the big picture because the Gophers won the series overall. I had to explain somebody that a Gopher fan that shootouts never make a difference when it comes to NCAA or pairwise, especially this past weekend. It was essentially, if you call it a two-point weekend, Minnesota got one and a half, and Duluth got a half a point. I mean, in that way, you're just thinking straight up math. But shootouts don't mean anything. Only time they mean something is conference standings, Viggs. But after those that that three on three, five minutes is done, the NCAA does not care, do they? I'm just kind of waiting for a road team to just go to their locker room at the end of overtime oh. and not even participate in the shootout and just say, they, "Yeah, they." They you could, won the shootout. I, mean, I kind of would expect a guy like Motsko to do that if if shootouts you know, are still a thing in these non-conference games when they don't mean anything. Closer did quite the stretch in that first save and ended up, I think he hit the pipe, the pipe or something with his skate and his whole blade just fell right up. Excuse me. And then I was talking to somebody. He's like, well, could they just replace Pud and put another goalie in? Like, you cannot put a goalie in switching at that time there's no warm-up there's nothing and that's the time when the goalie's probably the most spry and flexible he might be tired but he's stretched out you couldn't throw a goalie in for a shootout and expect any good results yeah especially minnesota Aries not cleared really to play games yet you know he's mm-hmm. working his way back from his injury that held him out of the preseason so he's not quite ready uh, we's who knows what would happen there. <laughs> I think the thing going forward is I'm looking for a coach one day to just take their team to the locker room afterwards. They could. Cause no it's, cause it's, it's a letdown when you lose the shootout. 
You know, you yeah. got you got a tie on the road. You won the series. And I think if you lose the shootout and the crowd gets up, you kind of feel upset that uh let my team down and let their fans get some energy. The kids behind us were screaming that high pitch shrill like they just won the Stanley Cup. It was brutal. And the crowd was so excited. They jumped all over the goalie. I'm like, we shouldn't even have one. Because the last time Minnesota was in Duluth Beagues, I believe was 2018. I, uh, I think it might have been ice where it was a one-game thing. Duluth had just won a national title. They put the banner up, 1-1 tie. Overtime, that was it. There was no shootout. It was pointless at the time. But like you said, some teams are – they're like, let's just do it anyway, just for the crowd. I'm like, I couldn't imagine if a goalie got a hamstring or pulled a groin trying to make an acrobatic save in a meaningless non-conference shootout. It's an interesting scenario that I don't think people have really put a lot of time and thought into, but maybe something that will get changed. Maybe we'll have to tell Eric Martinson at some point that this Ooh. should be a rule. It is a rule change year. I know that there was an interesting rule change suggestion about coaches challenge in the Michigan Wisconsin game that, that cost the Wolverines the other night. So interesting things in college hockey, but overall really good weekend for Minnesota. I I thought they, they got good effort from all their lines. Now, Bob on Friday was talking about the effective ground game that he had out there throughout the night. I didn't quite feel like they had the great ground game. There were a lot of missed shots in the second and third period that were feeding yeah. transition chances for UMD. I feel like if you had a really good ground game, they wouldn't have been messing around with that. They would have had more traffic to the net. That was something Jimmy Snuggerud talked about from the weekend is the coaches were basically showing all these shots, like on Saturday, 50 shots, and probably 40 of them there was no traffic in front of the goalie yeah. you need to create that chaos on one of the goals this weekend snuggerud was the player doing the center drive creating the space for his line mates to get the goal so he's getting it i think his shifts were a little shorter throughout the weekend mm-hmm. he wasn't out there seeking offense quite as much as he was maybe early in the season so i think that's a promising thing for minnesota and of course having the blue line back together was a big deal. Well, I, I definitely want to get into into Snuggerud and, and more with the UMD contract. But uh, one thing we need to do, we've got sponsors now, Vigs. And one of my favorites is the Furta Fundraisers. Um, they're doing a lot for small organizations like your kids' youth hockey. Yeah, Wayne from Furter Fundraisers will set you up. He'll try to make it as easy as you can uh, for fundraising with staff planning your needs, supporting you from start to finish and maximizing your return while staying close to retail prices. No one likes buying super overpriced fundraiser stuff and not seeing the value. Ferta tries to do a nice job with that with their pricing. They've got a lot of local premium products like Joe Mama Salsa that we both enjoy, Von Hansen's Pretzel Snacks, Croy Valley Barbecue Rubs and Sauces. They've got some new cocktail mixer things that you can get. I just saw they had the freeze-dried candy that they added to their mix, along that's with just, some that's you know, corn and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> so it's great stuff. So visit FurtaFundraisers.com to ignite your fundraising for the boys, for the girls, for the community, for the fundraisers.
definitely love the further fundraisers. But now we need to hear from our other sponsors, Chill Boys. Hi, I'm Kevin. I've been part of the ball crew at numerous tennis events for years. They say I'm an excellent ball handler. It's my job to get loose balls where they're supposed to be, to make the players comfortable so they can focus on the task at hand, winning, which is why I recommend Chill Boys life-changing bamboo boxers and boxer briefs. Chill Boys, comfort where it counts. I just love that commercial Vs. It's it's funny. It's great how they got them to do all that stuff with the, with the tennis stuff. I just I, that's why I love playing it. Had my chill boys on Saturday as I went up to Duluth because I knew I'd be doing a lot of walking, a lot of moving around. Worked great. Of course, everyone could use pull tab fifteen to get that fifteen percent off. It's a pretty good deal. I know that the stat crew at Mariucci has been excited about chill boys because they're under a lot of pressure up there. Oh, yes. And, and they, you know, get a lot of animosity about their work and, and they're excited about that bamboo comfort. They definitely are. So use that uh, pull tab 15 for 15% off your order, folks. It's a lot of good stuff there. So make sure you take advantage of it. All right, Beaks. I, I was talking about Snuggerud a little bit there um, when before we went to commercial. And uh, you have taught me over the years to look for things. I love how you've done that. Um, and the first thing I noticed Saturday in Duluth, wait a minute, Snuggerud's on the right side for the power play. Oh, he's sometimes moving up to the point. Oh, oh, okay, now he's back in position. Oh, wait a minute. Snuggerud was moving around quite a bit on the power play Saturday night. Not in his normal left side spot. When you have a player like Snuggerud who becomes a focal point for your power play, you don't want to be very predictable. And so giving him the freedom and practicing, giving him different routes to, to go through on the power play to get shooting opportunities is going to be crucial for Minnesota because I think Bob wants to go with his top guys as much as he can on the power play. We've seen that over the mm -hmm. years when he gets a unit that gets confident He's not afraid to let them go out there for 90 seconds if they can maintain the zone, apply pressure, get second chances, and tire out a penalty kill. So I think Minnesota, when they were just putting Sugger to one spot, was getting too predictable, and teams were taking that away, and the Gophers were trying to force the puck to him. So by having him move around a little bit should create some different opportunities for him, and I think also get Sungerud into the mix of being creative. Because when you're creative, you create chaos, you're unpredictable, and you can really surprise people. So well, I think to get Snuggeru going on the power play, that's going to be important. Well, like one thing I said, one thing I noticed, I'm like, what? he's on the right side. Oh, wait, now he's up the point. And then uh, him and uh, Kester were switching. They kind of went back and forth a couple of times. And and I, I, I like that. Wasn't successful yet, but it's definitely um, the variety that they need. Well, I think in having a guy like Kester out there who's experienced and calm allows that to happen as well because he has enough experience on the power play that he can play different spots mm -hmm. and is comfortable adjusting. You know, you get some guys that are like, this is my spot. This is where I line up. This is what I do. You can't you can't do that and be successful all the time. So I, I think as the season goes on, that is definitely something to watch for. You know, I usually like 
my shooters to shoot and be on the flanks and be ready for that one-timer, but they have to be able to move around a little bit sometimes with that QB up top, sometimes with that bumper in the middle, depending on what hand they are, to create those chances. So that was one thing I noticed, thanks to your teachings, Ziggs, thanks to your teachings. Um, but one thing I did here this weekend uh, when when I was actually uh, talking with our guy, Bruce Siski, and he told us this uh, Friday night that uh, a new four-year contract's going to be, and uh, it's going to be home all weekend the next four years. So you've got in Duluth next year, in Minneapolis the year after, in Duluth. So full two-game series, and then I think it got let out on Saturday at some point. But uh, uh, for you and I who love that Duluth trip and have done it many times, prefer the long weekend, it's coming back next season. And I think it's great. You know, you talk to the players, they got to Duluth at about 1 a.m. See, I didn't even Friday realize night. they left. I figured they'd sleep in and maybe go up in the morning. I didn't I didn't even know that. Yeah. I mean, Siskel, the goalie for UMD, got left behind on Friday night because Sandlin wanted to get his team back to Duluth so quickly. And so I think that turnaround is, is tough for everybody. It doesn't create the best hockey. I'm not saying that's why the Gophers weren't able to finish on all their opportunities yeah. they had Saturday, but you might've seen a better game from both teams had they gotten a normal weekend of hockey in. And I think it's great for the town, you know, the bars and restaurants and hotels when people go up, I think it's great for the crowd to be the same Friday and Saturday. You know, I think Minnesota had a great crowd Friday night. It was the second biggest crowd in Mariucci Arena history. With <laughs> attendance, we'll find out later what the actual attendance was. I don't. I, there are a lot of empty seats, but they sold 85. a lot of tickets. They sold a lot of tickets for it. Correct. Uh, but I think it's going to be great for them to do that. Um, two games in the same city going forward, and I just think. When I look at non-conference schedules for Minnesota, it's so critical for them to play Minnesota, Duluth, and North Dakota as often as they can because I think these three fan bases probably travel the best mm -hmm. out of the schools in the state. St. Thomas looks like they could travel pretty well to excel in Mariucci. And Bob, uh, says, not the same, though. <laughs> Bob says that's his favorite road trip already because he's in bed pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think – Having Minnesota, Duluth, and North Dakota in these four-year cycles where they play two games at each place are going to be great for both programs and the fans. Well, I'm definitely going to love it because I did notice after the game Saturday night, now Park seemed a little quiet, but I think some of that had to do with Grandma Sports Garden is no longer the place to go pre- and post-game. Yeah, sad. what was your weekend like up uh, in Duluth? Because you were there Saturday. What was the crowd like? The crowd was the crowd was good. Um, I know there's a lot of knowledgeable Duluth fans, but the ones that were around us were just dumb as rocks. It, it was almost as if I went to Madison, and then we just had some really. Ooh, um, maybe it's just because that's the damn damn seats I buy, and I buy in the dumb section. I don't know. Um, Got up there, did the walk. You know, the river, the the lake walk is is now built up. Now they've really rebuilt it. Very robust, huge boulders. Um, so that's a good thing. See, I always got to walk around, go down to the the pier, and see the the bridge and whatever. And 
ended up having uh we we didn't get we did go into was it vikra vikra yeah yeah it was a little busy so we just kind of stopped in real quick i just just looked around real quick and it was a little busy so we went we went down to old chicago got into old chicago and then we could watch the end of the gopher football game so that was fun and then i just we just went back to the hotel room you know i switched out my jacket and walked to the game so it really wasn't that big pre-game thing like we're kind of used to people kind of end up at the sports garden right before you go over afterwards we went to the curling club for a little bit they kicked us out obviously no gardens so we went to i think we went to an uh, angela's angie something kind of mexican place yeah little angie's because they were yeah yeah that's that's the place we went there and just because they were still open they're like well the food's gone we're like we just want some big ass margaritas (laughs) so we did um but it, it was different uh, like I said, I didn't even walking back, you know, it's just after midnight. There's been times in the past weeks, but there's just, there's people all around. There was not many people in canal park at midnight when there would usually be a lot of people. So that part was a little disappointing for me. Well, maybe with the two games next year, there'll be more Minnesota fans on vacation for the weekend and, and making a big event out of it. You know, when we were yes. up in, Grand Forks, you know, people were out pretty late every night yes. <laughs> for that weekend. It was a big deal. So I, I hope that returns. Yeah. And I, I actually, you know, some people say I won't go to Grand Forks anymore. I think we just got a good experience because we were there as media. So we get the good parking spot. You know, we, we, we talked to the more normal hockey people. We didn't have to go sit with the crazies, as people might say. So I would say that was the one of the best Grand Forks trips I ever had, Vegas. Yeah, I think the people out though were all pretty pretty even handed with everything. Yeah, so that was were. that was fine, I thought. You know, don't be a jerk and you won't get treated like one for the most part. Kind of how it's a good lesson in my twenties. I still have that photo of you in Duluth going, just doing this as you won you won a jersey, you won the Molson Canada jersey, didn't you? Yeah, they did did like a floor hockey shootout. We Mm -hmm. had to pick the corners. I got to tell you, when I can set my feet and pick a corner with all the time in the world, I I can I can handle that. So I came through under pressure (laughs) in the garden in the big crowd in in the Gopher gear. Um, Vigs, um, a couple new recruits. I can't remember if we talked about one last week. Uh, Most of them are all previous. I would say had previously said they were going somewhere else and it's getting a little tricky i'm not sure how that all that works i would say 10 years ago a verbal was usually pretty good we didn't see kid going back on it we're seeing it a lot more often now which is interesting because we were supposed to back up recruiting so that kids weren't committing until they were older so that they maybe had a better idea of where they're going to go. But what we're seeing right now is we're seeing some late movement. You know, Minnesota had Leo Grubo sign his national letter of intent today as part of the Fargo Force kids who announced that. You know, he was with St. Cloud. We talked about that a lot last week. You know, he'll be a 20-year-old freshman for the Gophers next year. Uh, I think we're expecting Paulson to sign his NLI here pretty soon, or it's probably in process. 
just so everyone knows, today is the day that players can first sign their national letters of mm-hmm. intent. Because of junior hockey and, and the way it works, they have to get signatures from the player and the parents, and then it has to be processed by the school. So typically, like signing day for basketball or football, those things all happen very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. So they can announce it almost the same day, same morning. Mm-hmm. You know, for football, they start announcing them at like six in the morning. Yeah. And usually the classes are all announced by noon. Hockey's totally different because of the way the signature train has to work. I don't know why they can't just use DocuSign and do it electronically, but that's just not the way the college hockey world works. But Gruba's one who's been announced by Fargo. Minnesota won't be able to announce it until think, probably tomorrow. Kid from uh, Minnetonka, I think, signed today too, didn't he? Well, Javon Moore is at Minnetonka, and he just had a recognition ceremony at Minnetonka. Oh, okay, so it wasn't an official thing. He didn't officially sign his NLI because when you send sign that paper, it means that you are intending to go to campus the next season, and the team is ready to have you come to campus the next season. Okay. So For every once part. in a while, like with uh, Mason Nevers or Beckett Hendrickson, we've seen players sign yes. and then delay their enrollment. Mm-hmm. That's the player choosing, you know, I think I want to come a year later. I just want to get this signed now. Okay. So I'm not continually being recruited by other teams because once you sign that NLI, they can't recruit you legally. So yes. it can quiet things down for them. But I'm expecting Paulson to, to sign pretty soon for okay. Dubuque. You know, he's he's the European player. Uh, I think we'll see this uh, August Falloon, who is a three-year player who was committed to Arizona State, decommitted yesterday, yes. announced his commitment to Minnesota today. He'll be a 20-year-old freshman next year for Minnesota. So it's really interesting to have those older players uh flipping to minnesota that's what you were that's what you were kind of talking about that's kind of what bob's been wanting to do for a long time and you were you that was one of your kind of big tweets today i thought was saying minnesota's might actually be getting older yeah finally bob on his first day said i want to get older but it's not going to happen today and he brought in a bunch of players early and (laughs) we've seen it with brody lamb and jimmy clark come to campus maybe a little bit before they're ready I think it probably affected Brody Lamb last year quite a bit. You know, he was still coming up to speed with the pace of college hockey. Yes. Um, I don't think Jimmy Clark has had as big of an adjustment period. I think he just gets it a little bit better. And so he's smoothly transitioned. But when you're a program like Minnesota, you shouldn't have to do that. You should be able to, you know, pick some kids late from other programs if you want them. You know, I've, I've heard coaches say, you know, it's not me calling the kids. It's the kids advisors calling me saying, Hey, uh, this, this kid's thinking he maybe wants to change up where he's going. Are you interested? And then it goes from there. And Falloon's not Pat's kid. He's a St. Cloud guy. He uh, went to school, high school there. And now he's played three years in Tri-City. No relation to the San Jose shark. He's a max rude guy. Yep. They're buddies growing up. Mm-hmm. Cloud. Saw those photos today. So mm-hmm. interesting. But then I think we'll see a couple of kids from the development program sign after the U seventeen or the U eighteen stuff gets wrapped up. Uh, mm-hmm. The US NDP almost never announces those kids signing their NLIs during the tournaments. They wait till after. So you'll you'll see you know these two or three being announced here pretty soon, and then another two 
uh, probably later next week announced. And then we're still expecting Bartoskevich to come in next year as well. All right, Viggs, we need to talk about Unreal, and I'm pretty excited about them because I've been seeing, they've been putting out a lot of great stuff lately. More, A lot of like great Viking stuff, but just great stuff all around. Yeah, I mean, I love it that we kind of have our own Under Armour here in Minnesota. You know, Michael E. Jordan's oh. from here. He wanted to build a legacy here, and you see some of the partnerships he's having with, you know, Adam Thielen and Row the Boat and the Vikings. And it's just cool stuff. You know, he did a lot of stuff with the NCHC early on. Maybe we'll start seeing some go for year at some point. But as an independent local coloring company, uh, they're able to craft everything around the athlete, uh, release fresh looks, hottest drops. They donate 10% of all profits, organizations, and worthy causes in the community. I love that aspect about them. Visit unreal.co. That's a code.com. And use the promo code PULLTAB15 for 15% off your order. And if you're a Vikings guy, sign up for their alerts for their drops. They do these special release things for the Vikings. And uh, if you sign up for that, you get a text, and you'll know when to buy it as soon as it gets released. The Vikings stuff's pretty good. I'm not as big as a fan of Vikings as they used to be, but, man, I, I've been liking and really kind of yellow gold stuff they had come out just Last, late last week or something like that. Just love Yeah, it. they did three different colors last week. Yeah, drop, yeah. So that was cool stuff. Definitely some cool stuff. And who I, I got to say, Duke Cannon last week, they got me all set up for the weekend up in Duluth. I got all my hair up and ready. Smelled good. Felt good. Uh, I, I'm glad I, that you showed me the way with Duke Cannon. <laughs> Just get like that, that Mr. Miyagi. Get that Mr. Miyagi going. Get that putty yes. hot. Oh, definitely love how you did that for me. I'm I'm glad they're on board with us because it definitely fits fits me pretty well. Well, if you're into hockey and you have hockey hair, you got to make it a weapon. So look for the cannon. Well, but that's just it. I don't have the hockey hair, but it gives me my. Uh, you get some structure to it. You can get some flow. I do. I do get some. Well, I don't have the length like you have had in the past, but yeah. I mean, it's it it's slowly helps. coming in, slowly coming in. It's early in November. You know, we're just getting through that first part of the non-conference schedule, and and it, you know, the flow will come in by the time we get to the World Junior time. It definitely will. And thanks to Duke Cannon as one of our sponsors, I'm I'm really glad we have them on board, and I'm really glad that I learned how to use that stuff, Viggs, because that's some powerful stuff. I use the news anchor stuff, as you yeah. can see from one of my tweets late last week. All right, Viggs. Um, is Michigan be going to be mad because Wisconsin? Obviously, Wisconsin's cleaning up so far. They're way ahead in the league. Uh, they're going to be. They could be number one in the country real quick here. Um, got two late wins against Michigan last weekend in Madison. Um, uh, Mad. Uh, Michigan did lose a player for the whole the rest of the season, which is it's, oh, you just hate to see that local kid too from Minnesota, yeah, uh, Jackson. Yeah. Allen. But Michigan's always one of my favorite weekends of the year, home or away. Well, it should be a, a fun series because usually Michigan and Minnesota want to run and gun with each other a little bit, and you're going to see more transition hockey. 
the Gophers, I don't think have been able to do that as much against Duluth and Wisconsin and North Dakota because those teams play such structure. So when you go and play Michigan, these teams just can't help themselves. You know, they want to show <laughs> the skill. They want to show off the flash. They want to get in transition. And all these players on these teams are usually a little bit younger, but high talent. And Michigan, mm-hmm. while they've lost some some big names over the last couple of years, you know, McGordy's pretty good. Uh, Brindley's pretty good. And Nazar's pretty good. We didn't see Nazar really much last year. So they've got some good talent there. I think their goaltending could be a little suspect this okay. season. Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't call it a strong point for them. And so I think this is a weekend where there's going to be quite a few goals. Was it, was it you that I saw? Maybe you, you were talking on, on Twitter how Michigan might try to see what Wisconsin did against Minnesota and actually what did against themselves as kind of the way to beat Minnesota? I mean, it could be if you can play that disciplined. That wasn't me bringing that up, but I mean, that is a way somewhere. Somebody that is a way to that is a way to take care of Minnesota. But I feel like Minnesota has enough experience where they're not going to fall for that. You know, I think the first couple years of the Monsko era, there were still too many players who were trying to do too much at the blue lines. You're not seeing that out of the Gophers this year at all. You're not seeing bad plays at the blue line. Sometimes maybe on the rush, they're trying to score off the rush every single time. You know, that can still happen with this team, but you're not seeing the bad turnovers that have gotten Minnesota in trouble maybe five, six years ago. So I I don't think that's necessarily the easy way to play against Minnesota anymore is just wait for those and hope those come. You know, you're going to have to get in transition fast when you get those opportunities, but I don't think you can just sit back. Right. So it's going to be running gun weekend. Let's go, V's. Let's go. Well, I think the big thing for Minnesota, I'll be watching for this weekend, and you won't be able to watch it on Big Ten Network or Bally's or anything. You're going to have to get the Big Ten Plus streaming network, which you and I both have because we got that 50% off discount code earlier in the year. But you're going to be Should watching it. For... Folks, we had that great 50%. It was awesome. But you need to be watching for traffic around the net and and which players can get to the net and create chaos. Jackson Nelson has been Minnesota's probably best player at creating that traffic and tipping shots. I think there's potential for more players from Minnesota to do that. Jimmy Snuggerud sacrificed himself every once in a while to drive the net and be that guy. Charlie Strobel's been doing that a little bit. So I just think Minnesota needs to have a few more guys to just recognize when they're that F2 player, they're not the F1 with the puck. They're that second player in the zone. Sometimes it's okay just to drive the net, push back the defense, and create some chaos in front of the goalkeepers. Because when you've got goalies like Michigan who maybe aren't as comfortable as they've been over the last couple of years, chaos is good for Minnesota. Okay. I like the sound of that. Um as you, like you said, you mentioned the only TV this weekend is going to be the BTN or B1G Plus package. Um, it will be a Michigan feed. Don't complain about it. That's just how it is. Um, I see with the expansion of the Big Ten and all other sports next season as a sign that we might be getting more of this, Viggs. Um, I know we, we've spoken with Cappy, and Cappy's like, you know, I don't mind it. I just hope that the 
the production goes up with it because that's one thing that has been lacking. One thing I don't mind about it is that there's a lot of times there's no commercials. They just freeze on the ice. They'll just show a generic center ice shot during what would be their breaks. And uh, we just get sit back and not hear some kind of drug being thrown at us for whatever condition you may have. So I do like that part. Um, it's going to be the future, Vigs. It's going to be the future. If you don't like the commentators, you can always pull up the Var- Varsity Network's podcast. You have to listen to Frank and Wally. You can get Bingo. the uh, iHeart app and get uh, Talk 1130. And uh, if you tune in right, you know, half an hour before puck drop, you'll get the coaches show. I heard uh, Paul Martin was on the pregame show for the Duluth game on Saturday talking about his player development role with Minnesota and how he's been helping the defense, especially and kind of help them transition this year with all that extra ice time and try to settle him down a little bit. He had some interesting things when he's talking about Chesley and Renzel, just trying to have them pick their spots a little bit better, which was yeah. interesting to hear from Martin. Cause he's obviously a guy who did it for a long time in the NHL and, and not always as the play driver, but as a supporting player. And you have to learn that role as well as you go up levels. It's going to be a fun weekend, Vigs. Uh, Minnesota needs points. Right now, they obviously played less games than everyone else, but they are in last place in the Big Ten. Yeah, that Big Ten standing looks crazy. I was just <laughs> thinking about that. Uh, Brad Schlossman this week was posting interconference records, mm-hmm. and the Big Ten is is the top dog right now in college hockey in terms of performing outside their conference. So I think that about 700 was, winning percentage. Yep. So that's really yeah. good for Minnesota. You know, I think big East was next and then NCHC. So that all oh, determines, close, yeah. it kind of determines how many bids your conference can get. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're at the top of this, like the big 10, you have a chance for four or five teams to get in the tournament. You know, we looked last year as it came down, we're like, <laughs> Everyone had a chance to get in the, mm-hmm. the NCAA tournament. That could be the situation this year as well. Uh, you know, and the flip side, you look at the CCHA, they're towards the bottom there. It's going to be hard for them to get an at-large team. So they're probably going to get their auto bid. Yep. And and that might be it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> ECAC, kind of the same boat. You know, they might just have their auto bid, maybe two, depending on who wins their conference tournament. And that's kind of a surprise as well because it looks like Cornell is going to be pretty decent this year. You know, they swept uh, Minnesota Duluth the other day, and uh, they could be good. Quinnipiac, okay. they're doing all right. So it'll be interesting to see. What are your thoughts on this weekend? How many points? What's your prediction? I think we're going to see five points for Minnesota this weekend. Oh. I feel like one of these games probably can go to overtime uh, as Minnesota kind of goes through the growing pains of their power play, finding that consistency and trying to get players to, to get that traffic to the net. I think Michigan's going to be a hungry team this weekend after getting handled by the Badgers last weekend. They've got to get their season back on track. So one of those games could be real motivational for them, but I still see Minnesota as the deeper, more talented, more consistent team between these two. The 
they've been doing real well in Michigan lately. Even when they've had other players out. I think well, last year was a sweep there. I'm going with it, Vs. I just gotta sweep in Yoast. Now back at Mariucci would be different because for some reason Michigan just plays super well at Mariucci. But I'm thinking this weekend in Yoast, uh it's gonna be a good one for the Gophers. Yeah, this is always an interesting matchup. Yeah. Always so fun. I need to get out there sometime. One of these days, we we road trip the Yosvigs. Well, we did the road trip to North Dakota this year. Maybe it's Yost next year. Uh, It's a historic building. It's a cool campus. Or maybe Duluth next year. I mean, Duluth is definitely happening next year. (laughs) <laughs> I mean that's a that's a no brainer. Two games in Duluth, I'm I'm up there. Uh, <laughs> I've been loving your what is your your six point stuff? Yeah, six thoughts is the Gophers chase that, yeah. that sixth championship. You know they've been stuck on five here for a while, and they've had a lot of chances. You know this program I think is building towards that Mm -hmm. it's not as turnkey as the program was in shape last year Mm -hmm. so it's going to take a while for this team to kind of find their stride bob always says you know he wants to have this team playing well coming out of christmas break Mm -hmm. and you're going to go through growing pains until you get there Uh, we should have a six thoughts probably posted next week we're taking a week off with the team on the road here but next week you'll see some six thoughts and I've got a little something coming up. Who are the Blue Bloods of college hockey right now? And if you look at their performance over the last decade, who's who's really the best? Has there been any change in the last couple of years? So look for that. My. Interesting. That's kind of a... Obviously, Duluth was in the last decade. Denver's always been solid. BC That's and BU a- are coming back right now. Yeah. Wisconsin's coming back. Minnesota's coming back. Michigan's coming back. Huh? Interesting thought. Interesting thought. All right. Yeah, oh, and, and of course, I'm, I'm digging into schedules for Minnesota. Oh. Hopefully, I'll have something by next week talking about scheduling agreements and what things are looking like for Minnesota. Bob's starting to get those contracts finalized. Now is about the time of year where they, they start to get those things ironed out. All right, sounds good, Viggs. And that's going to do it for this episode of the GPL Podcast. We'll be back next week to recap the series against Michigan and preview the series with Notre Dame. For those of you watching live, stay tuned for a bit of overtime. For the rest of you, we will catch you next week on the GPL Podcast.